Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 4, Episode 5, Breaking Glass. The original air date was October 26, 2014. The writers were Kalinda Vasquez and Scott Numerfo. Numerfo worked as a writer and associate producer on Tales from the Crypt before he went on to pen episodes of series such as The Outer Limits, Special Unit 2, and Till Death Do Us Part. He subsequently moved on to produce Pushing Daisies and joined the production and writing room on Hannibal. Once Upon a Time was his last show before his untimely death in 2016, and an episode in season five is dedicated to his memory. Oh, it's sad. Yeah. The director was Alric Riley. Leonard-born Riley has an illustrious career in television direction in both the United Kingdom and the United States. He helmed episodes of Playing the Field, Stanton Blues, The Inspector Lindley Mysteries, Bedlam, Hustle, Hunted, Death in Paradise, Castle, the NCIS Mega Franchise, The Walking Dead, Lucifer, and Bridgerton. And I like that title- it goes from Lucifer to Bridgerton. <laughs> the title card is Elsa's Icy Staircase. We begin in an icy cavern where the Snow Queen is working some ice CGI magic on what appears to be an ice golem. Meanwhile, at the sheriff's station, Emma and Elsa continue to hunt for the Snow Queen's identity. Frustrated with this process, Elsa wishes to confront the Snow Queen instead. Emma tempers her, reminding Elsa that their memories have been altered. Killian joins them with older records from the mayor's office, and Will, still locked up, shouts about his forgotten dinner. Emma gives him a half-eaten hot Pop-Tart and a bottle of water, and Will just he goes for it, <laughs> even with just a little Emma bite out of the corner. He's like, it's blueberry, man. That's a good Pop-Tart flavor. I'm not going to waste that. It's honestly very cute. Emma's just like, yeah, I ate part of it. And Will pretty much is just like, meh, she's cute. That's fine. <laughs> will wonders when he will be set free. And Emma gives an evasive answer of, when I say so. Emma, don't turn into an A-cab trope. Feed our Blorbo and free him. Free the boy. Free the boy. Killian takes off to go take Henry sailing. Aww. <laughs> and Elsa unearths an envelope filled with the photos of Emma's early days in Storybrooke, when Regina had Sydney Glass tailing her. Among the photos is a shot of Emma in deep conversation with Ingrid in her civilian guise. Though she has no recollection of this exchange, Emma decides to go to the source of the photo itself. I actually like this little plot device of the photos that they used here. It was a nice way to loop Ingrid interestingly into the events of season one, as well as foreshadowing her ties to a certain reporter. Mm. Elsewhere, Regina's in her vault, still combing over her magical potions and books, trying in vain to seek a solution to unfreeze Marion. No, stop. Don't come back. Who cares? I do feel really bad for this actress, though, because I remember back when this was first airing, she got so much hate online and it was just, it was awful. 
Sydney appears in the looking glass, and the two snipe at each other before Regina sends him off on his new task. Find the Snow Queen so Regina can force her to reverse the curse on Marion. Regina, please let the man out of the mirror already. This is not a good look on this new you. I guess it's nice Sydney kind of started to get a backbone, even if it took him being changed into furniture again. Yeah. That evening, we go to the charming loft where Belle is cuddling baby Prince Neil as David is trying to convince Mary Margaret to leave their son at home so they could have some alone time. Mary Margaret remains reluctant, but ultimately agrees to go out for an evening stroll with her husband. Meanwhile, Emma and Elsa arrive at the cemetery. Elsa decides to remain in the car so Emma has a chance to talk with Regina alone, seeing as our sheriff feels bad for ruining all of the progress they had made over the years. Emma is doubtful they can rebuild, but Elsa encourages her to try anyway. Elsa thinks you should talk to your girlfriend, Emma. I like this little Emma and Elsa heart-to-heart here. Like, damn, this episode is finally giving Swan Queen fans some decent food after a while. When Emma says the lie, hate's not quite the right word. There's a lot of meaning there. I think Elsa needs to be added to make a magical queenly thruple. Like, hmm, what's the shit name? Icy Swan Queen? Icy Swan Queen is what we have right now because Regina is freezing Emma out. In the land without magic of the past, in Minnesota in 1998 to be exact. Hey, new location. My gods, they really do have a bigger budget and a map this season. Young Emma is in a grocery store and spies another wayward teen before she shoplifts an entire box of blueberry Pop-Tarts. A market clerk stops Emma, but the other girl intervenes, arriving with a cart and pretending that Emma was just fetching the Pop-Tarts for them. The unknown girl claims that her parents are in the car, and the clerk leaves them be. Emma thanks the other girl, who advises Emma to level up to stealing credit cards so that she can pay for the food in the future. The girl, who we learn is named Lily, invites Emma shopping. Afterwards, they are chased by a man in a car, but dodge him efficiently. The girls form a quick bond. If you know what I mean. Young teen romances blooming. In present-day Storybrooke, Emma descends into Regina's vault to inquire about the photo. Regina is curt with her, evading questions about Sydney's whereabouts, as she is working on the problem Emma allegedly created by bringing her true love's wife back. Emma timidly offers her assistance, which shocks Regina. Echoing the scene earlier, Emma professes that Regina has had her back, as Emma claims she has had Regina's back in return. Regina rebuffs this, claiming Emma never had her back. And I am having feelings about this. Regina, please. In the vehicle, Elsa hears the disembodied voice of Anna calling for help. She gets out of the car and follows a figure in the fog. When Emma discovers, Elsa is gone. Still holed up in her vault, Regina is having a pity party when Sydney interrupts her, announcing he has found the location of the Snow Queen's lair. However, he refuses to give up his leverage before being released. Until Regina threatens him, of course. Elsewhere, David and Mary Margaret arrive at the sheriff's station on a quest for a good long-range walkie-talkie to be able to remain in contact with Belle as there is no self-service up in the bluffs where they intend to walk. David appeases his wife, and just as they are on their way out, 
David notices the unusually quiet cell. Will Scarlet has broken out. David immediately switches tactics, eager to be playful and capture the thrill of a hunt with his wife, for old time's sake. Only this time, no evil queen hot on their trail. Poor Snow is just like, please don't make me chase a convict. I just had a baby. <laughs> Will made his bed all nice and neat. How do you know he wasn't released, David? Huh? Huh? I do love, though, that David goes immediately into doggo mode. Like, can we chase? Chase? Please? Can we chase? <laughs> Fetch the thief? Fetch? <laughs> David is so excited to go on an adventure with his wife. It's very cute. Meanwhile, the reformed evil queen in question is tromping through the forest with a compact mirror in hand, following Sydney's instructions towards a cave. When Emma appears on the hunt for Elsa, Though Regina is loath to accept Emma's company, the two set off together to confront the Snow Queen. In Minnesota of the past, young Emma and Lily are enjoying their feast by a lake. Emma is literally eating ground sandwiches in this scene, and I cannot with it. Emma, don't eat floor food. She is but a poor orphan, ma'am. She does not even have a workhouse to give her a daily serving of gruel. Floor sandwiches are all there is. No, really, there was no reason for her to have them on the ground to be eating them off of the ground. <laughs> they did have no, a really. blanket. No, really, they did. And she's like, here's my sandwich <laughs> in the dirt. Oh. I love my sandwich in the dirt. <laughs> I'm like, Emma, damn it, that's nasty. Stop it. <laughs> Emma confesses she ran away from Boston, convinced she missed her window of opportunity to be adopted. She asks Lily if the man chasing her was from social services, which Lily affirms. When Emma inquires where she is heading to next, Lily points to summer homes across the lake, empty now that the season is over. Lily invites her to stay. Emma's first girlfriend! These two are so sweet together. In the present, Elsa continues to chase the specter of Anna, coming to a gorge where she creates an icy bridge to cross. Once she is nearly there, Anna disappears. David and Mary Margaret have gone for an hour with no luck finding Will. Mary Margaret has hit her limit being away from the baby, prompting David to kiss her farewell as he continues the chase. As she turns to go, Mary Margaret spies Will on the beach digging a hole in the sand. I initially thought he was like digging, hunting for like a magic portal. I was like, are you trying to find the rabbit? <laughs> fair guess yeah i was honestly. gonna say that would kind of make sense actually he's like the rabbit makes holes <laughs> therefore i make holes too. I therefore make i holes make hole too. i get back to what this is how rabbit does it i just gotta yeah. dig deep enough in the sand and i'll fall right through there you go <laughs> like you know when you're a kid and you're like i'm gonna dig a hole and pop out the other side of the planet as emma and regina continue through the forest emma tries to make conversation paying regina credit as not only her teacher of magic but for the admirable effort Regina has placed in finding a cure for Marion. I so think we should inform the listeners that when I wrote this recap, I absolutely wrote for the admirable effort Regina has placed in finding a curse for Marion because yes. clearly <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> my my subconscious thoughts were were obviously like coming through. <laughs> like she made a curse for Marion. Find a curse for Marion. <laughs> Screw her. <laughs> Regina responds with scorn and tells Emma to learn to live with the hurt she inflicted upon her. And during this scene, I'm just like, Regina, please, I know you're hurting, but please remember, 
Emma brought Marion here because she was an innocent person past you, had sentenced to death. So, like, please stop and think. Back in the past, the girls break into a lake house and make themselves at home. Emma notices a star-shaped birthmark on Lily's wrist, something which Lily enjoys pretending is a symbol that makes her special. Lily takes a magic marker and gives Emma a matching mark. They spy a camcorder and begin to record hijinks. The girls make a pact to be friends no matter what and to never let anything come between them. These two give me such very soft first queer crush vibes, so of course it will end bad. But they're very soft and gay, and I kept thinking they were going to kiss. I absolutely thought they were going to kiss too. It really reads so much like a first queer crush scene. I remember like ever since the first time I watched this episode back when it was first airing, my thought was like, Lily was 100% Emma's first queer crush, most likely first kiss, and like nothing will convince me otherwise. It's, you know, how many years later since this first aired and watching it again, I'm like, yeah. I do not know how this scene could not be any more queer coded, save for a smooch. And then it isn't coded. It's just queer. Yeah. So queer coded. In present day, Elsa discovers Anna in a snow patch clearing when the Snow Queen approaches and dissolves the ice golem masquerading as the Arendelle princess. Elsa is then shackled with enchanted cuffs that feed on her fear, tightening their hold to keep her out of the way of Ingrid's nefarious plans. I know it technically sort of kind of resolves itself a little by the end of this episode, but the amount the show damselfies Elsa makes me genuinely unhappy. Yeah, I don't love that either. I, I do love how menacing Ingrid is by just talking calmly and sweetly. It's a very different type of villain, especially after the zaniness of Zelina. It's really fun to have this like cold, sweet malice mm. coming from Ingrid. Oh, I love Ingrid. 10 out of 10. Would Ingrid again? I just hate the way they've been writing Elsa. It raises my hackles. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Back on the beach, Will has been digging hole after hole after hole. When Mary Margaret approaches him, Will reveals that he has lost a map, which he had buried in his travel bag while drunk. Soon, it becomes clear to Mary Margaret that David set Will free to make a game of the evening, to get his wife out of her head and out for some fun. Will denies it until Mary Margaret reveals she is the mayor and can pardon him. Although really the best part of this scene is when Snow says she's married to the sheriff and Will is like the pretty blonde girl and has yeah. no clue who David is. <laughs> well, we know the implications of that are gross. I have to love that this boy immediately just went, good for you, you funky lesbian. <laughs> I also just overall like this scene because it's the two most adorable people in the whole show interacting. Gosh, yes. I, I love this scene so much. I'm obsessed with how well these two played off each other. I, I just thought the scene was a delight and I want more Snow and Will interactions desperately. Yeah, big same. And I, I love that exchange too. It's like, oh, the pretty blonde girl. <laughs> it's also deeply funny to me that she's like, no, David. And she's like, who? 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 I, I know no David. <laughs> I've never even noticed that there was a man in there at any point. <laughs> and there's a scary one with Hook who just keeps glaring daggers at me, but no David. <laughs> but I mean, it also makes sense. Will likes a blonde that'll boss him around. So of course he notices Emma more. Yeah. yeah. This is true. He's got a type. That's his type. Bossy blonde. Mm -hmm. 
I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the dark gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to The Lost Boys and laughing at memes taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12. But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the fanged undead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts. In the forest, Regina and Emma come across the icy bridge and begin to cross it, only to have a powerful icy wind sweep around them threateningly. Regina realizes that Sydney has betrayed her to the Snow Queen, who has anticipated them. Regina is so betrayed here, and I'm like, my dude, you had Sydney trapped in a mirror. You do not have the high ground here. Like, good for Sydney, honestly. Mm -hmm. In the past, Emma and Lily are crashed out on the couch when a flashlight alerts Emma to the presence of someone entering the house. The man from the car has found them, and it is revealed that he is Lily's father, who wants to take his daughter back home, where her mother is waiting, worried sick. Emma feels betrayed. Back in the present, Regina confronts Sydney, who is gleeful with his betrayal. The ice bridge begins to break, and the two women make a dash for it jumping to the other side of the gorge just in time. Meanwhile, Elsa successfully calms her fears and smashes the shackles off her. In the past, the police are called, but Lily reassures Emma that her father is only mad about the stolen visa. Emma is still angry with her new friend, but Lily insists that she is like Emma, an orphan who feels invisible and out of place, only she lied about still being in the system. Lily gives her contact information over, but Emma rejects it and wipes off the star symbol. Present day, Regina and Emma are confronted by a giant CGI ice viking golem thing who can regenerate his limbs. Because why not? It is only when the two powerful women combine their magic that they are able to successfully defeat the monster. Regina and Emma look so happy for the moment where they start, like, casting the magic together. I think the adjective you meant to say was hot. They look hot together. <laughs> they also look hot together when casting the magic together. That's true. The Snow Queen arrives and recovers the compact mirror from Regina before beginning to choke both the women. Suddenly, Elsa appears and blasts the Snow Queen onto the forest floor. The latter congratulates Elsa on fighting her fear before disappearing. I mean, I'm glad they finally started to let Elsa have something resembling backbone. It's, you know, it's not fixed, but it's a start, I guess. I guess so long as they keep going in that direction. That's what's really going to depend on. I'm like, is this going to be it? And then the next episode, she's going to be back or are we going to keep going is my problem. Right. I don't remember. I don't either. <laughs> I have no idea. And Shell's never seen it. <laughs> Regina and Emma begin to hash it out 
when Regina admits that she had initially tasked Sydney with killing Marion, but decided against it, stating Emma would have never believed her walking back on that. Despite Emma having a literal lie detector superpower. (gasps) Plot twist, plot twist. Okay, what if Emma was bluffing the whole time and that's not one of her powers? Get the fuck out of here. General consensus online is that it's not actually one of Emma's superpowers. It's just something she says, and she has pretty good intuition with people, but it's not an official part of her power set. No! (laughs) What if the writers are just idiots? (laughs) Is this the right time to say support the writer's strike? (laughs) That sentiment wasn't necessarily very supportive, but support the writer's strike. Studios, streaming services, pay your writers better. Even those that make continuity mistakes deserve fair pay. Elsa interjects, demanding that the two other women mend their differences, otherwise Storybrooke does not stand a chance. Regina claims they never will, as she does not want to. Which, at least she's honest, I guess. (laughs) Right. At least there's that. (laughs) Regina just being a sassy little brat. I don't want to. She's petty. Yeah. Elsewhere, the Snow Queen has released Sydney from the mirror and claims to desire nothing from him as she desired the compact mirror itself. Regina's dark magic has been imbued within the mirror, and it's just the item Ingrid needs to achieve her goal, which she is remaining tight-lipped about. She allows Sydney to leave, warning him of the cold front that Storybrooke is soon to experience. I might have to retract my statement about Sydney getting a spine, <laughs> since he seems... He seems to just want to flip-flop to whoever the most in-charge woman at the moment is. I mean, I guess bless him. He knows his type, but <laughs> I don't know. Please, please do talk to Archie or something, bud. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I just want them to step on me. It's like, buddy. <laughs> buddy. Oh, no. Buddy, come on. Once he leaves, the Snow Queen cracks the compact mirror and adds a piece of it to a larger cracked mirror but she appears to be putting together piece by piece. This last piece is set and her reflection is whole once more. And the first time I watched this back in the day, the Hans Christian Anderson fan in me was so excited when they revealed that her plan revolved around a mirror. So I was just like, oh shit, they're doing it. They're actually doing the Snow Queen. Very exciting day for me. Privately, the Snow Queen admits her goal, a family that loves her. Back in the forest, Elsa apologizes to Emma for running off before advising her new friend not to give up so quickly on Regina. Again, Elsa wants you to talk to your girlfriend, Emma. Meanwhile, Regina is sulking in her vault when Emma comes up on her, much to her aggravation. Emma relates the story we saw in the past of a friend who had lied to her and Emma pushed her away, something she has come to regret. She does not wish to make the same mistake. Emma says that while she has her parents and son, she has a unique bond with Regina because of the hurt and rejection they have gone through in life. Regina is amazed to learn that Emma saw them as friends. This scene is kind of sweet, and Emma is trying so hard here, and like, just make up already. Regina, you literally do not need Robin Hood. The savior is here at your door with her hat in her hand, and you want to whine about one of the most disappointing men to ever be in this show? Come on. (laughs) 
this scene is so, so, so close to what would have been a potential love confession or like a get together scene if this was a different show or at least a moment between an established het pair. And while I don't think this is true queer baiting, I've seen true queer baiting. It's, it's, it's not this. I think it's such a complex and rich emotional connection between these two women that while it was most likely written platonically, it can so easily be read romantically. And I understand why some fans feel queerbaited. And I, I don't think this is a true example of queerbaiting, but I do think they wrote a pair that, you know, were this a different show, were this a heterosexual pairing on Once Upon a Time, this would end in romance. Their dynamic is just so interesting and they get each other in such a unique and special way. And I think viewing this as a queer person, I read into it because experiences like like these flashbacks with Emma from her, her teenage years and, and then this, this deep emotional connection with Regina that's complicated and messy, but, but she wants to fight for like, it's easy to read that queer subtext into it. Even without the love confession, I still really love the scene at face value. It's just, it's a really lovely moment. I love Emma just being so happy that Regina admits that she didn't want to kill her. Like, it was <laughs> honestly so, so cute. I don't know. This was a, this was a lovely moment be between the two of them. At the charming loft, Mary Margaret is on the bed with baby Neil, which she pulls down David for a big old smooch. She admits that Belle was a wonderful babysitter and that she caught the thief, Will Scarlet, who she, of course, pardoned. Bewildered, David sits in amused silence as Mary Margaret waxes poetically on how she found herself again. David's old tricks and how Will isn't even a good liar anyway. David admits the truth, but says that if the cost of Will escaping was his wife finding a part of herself again, Will earned that pardon. I mean, all he did was take some money off a woman who was arguably a much bigger threat and criminal and then pass out drunk in a library. Like... As far as having people at large, having Will out and about is a pretty mild threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like having an unruly puppy running down the street, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Someone catch that dog. <laughs> it's uh, just an unruly puppy at large. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that David was like, what did I do? Oh, that's very oh. clever. I did not do that. I, not I do wish that. I was that clever. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, you just really pardoned him. He's like, damn, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> Late that night at the sheriff department, Emma pulls out her old dusty box when Killian shows up. Noting her mood, he gives her a swig from his flask. Emma decides to share the contents of the box with him. First with a cigar box filled with treasures from her childhood, and then the camcorder she had stolen from the lake house. Together, they watch the silly young teens being carefree and goofy. Then the video cuts out and a new recording comes through. It shows a foster home where the foster mother is revealed to be none other than the Snow Queen. And credits. Are the writers wandering down the path of foster parents are secretly evil queens who have to resort to evil plans to get a family who actually loves them? Because, you know, nothing could ever take the place of blood family. Because boy, howdy, am I ever sick of that trope. Ugh. 
Otherwise, though, I did like this episode better than the last one, mostly because of the queer overtones and, of course, Will and Mary Margaret and David Tomfoolery. So the first time I saw this episode back in 2014, this was actually the episode where I remember going, hmm, okay, I think I understand why the Swan Queen shippers feel queer baited by the show. It hadn't really clicked on me before other than, you know, people like in Enemies to Lovers, things like that. But obviously on this rewatch, I think very differently (laughs) Um, because I definitely see it throughout this whole thing. But this was the episode where I was like, oh, no, I understand why why folks are feeling queer baited. Because, damn, not only is this episode full of these very complicated and interesting moments about Emma and Regina's almost friendship, kind of friendship, was a friendship that Regina didn't even know she was in, you know? It also establishes an important relationship for young Emma that feels like someone's first sapphic relationship. And all of this is very interesting to follow the Emma and Killian are officially dating episode. It made me feel things back then. And this time around, it really made me feel things. Because I see it, man. I just, I see it. I know how this stuff ends and I'm feeling a little baited. But overall, I, I like this episode a lot more than the last one. I thought the snow tracking down Will plot was very cute and fun. I liked that they gave Elsa a moment to show that she is capable of centering herself and overcoming her fear on her own. Ingrid remains this menace that feels sickeningly sweet. And I love that for her. I'm also glad poor Sydney is finally out of the mirror and free to double cross whoever he wants another day. Because Regina having him back in the mirror was just such a poor choice for her character growth. And was one of the more frustrating aspects of the season so far. Yeah, I I agree this episode is better than the last one. And it at least feels like it's kind of starting to course correct on one of my biggest issues with this arc, which is that they've made Elsa just this teary-eyed damsel in distress who is so fundamentally codependent on her sister that she's incapable of functioning in her absence, which is just not Elsa as a character at all. And it bothers me. Yes, a big part of the theme of Frozen is Elsa overcoming her fear and learning to accept love, but she doesn't just spend the film sitting down and crying and going, when will Anna come back and save me? Which is kind of what she's been doing in this season. And Elsa is one of my favorite characters, so I find the whole thing pretty insulting. I would find it insulting even if she wasn't just from a feminist angle, but because she is, it makes it worse. So I'm glad they seem to be at least kind of starting to correct that kind of i don't hold out too much hope though other than that i'm going to echo my wife's sentiments on understanding how fans could feel betrayed when a plot line is introduced that seems like it pretty clearly establishes an early queer relationship for emma and emma herself is queer paired with the way that she reaches out to regina and sees regina as a parallel in that relationship only to have her end up in what really could be read as a compulsory heterosexual relationship I also just think it's funny how much more I get Swan Queen on this go in general. Yeah, it's so interesting because I like Captain Swan. I like the canon ship. I know we all do, but there's something about Swan Queen, man. Like, like I'm just so invested in their dynamic. I agree with everything that they say. Want to talk about costumes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elsa's purple cape was very cute. And I liked that Once Upon a Time set up lavender as an Elsa color before Frozen 2 did, because it is definitely one of her colors in Frozen 2. And since she clearly didn't have that cape in the urn, 
I'm, I'm imagining Snow and Charming gave Elsa some spending money and they set her out shopping and she came back with this single cape. Well, maybe she came back with like the cape and some like chocolate or something. Elsa got to pick one thing from the costume shop and she wanted a cape. <laughs> it was a cute cape, though. What wasn't cute, though, was Regina's insanely poorly tailored pants that kept bunching weirdly and making her into shapes. I did not like them at all. I want to see that cape up close. It's something that looked better at different angles. So I just really want to see like all the details, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of beadwork on it on the shoulders. Lots mm, of snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's hard for me to see with <clears throat> with my TV. Not that not that like it's small. It's just I have extremely bad eyesight. So I have to like see things really up close to notice all those little details. But yeah, otherwise I have no comments. I like the cape. <laughs> but did you like the pants? I did not like the pants, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you. I needed solidarity on this. <laughs> uh, yes. Did not like them. Thank you. I'm always against pants, but I'm a, I'm against pants particularly in this instance. I don't even own pants. I'm I wearing, own a couple pairs. I'm wearing pants right now. I'm what? not. Heathen, ah. <laughs> it's nine o'clock at night. How are you wearing pants? Are they jammies? No, they're jeans. No, they're jeans. <gasps> You're wearing jeans? Denim? Ugh. Yeah. I'm with Lynn on this. <laughs> She's all nice and like has like stockings and a dress on. I always have stockings and a dress on. Yeah. You have stockings or leggings? Stockings. Oh, okay. I pretty much only wear leggings to work out. I need to figure out where you get your stockings from because yours are always seem to be very quality. Just look for microfiber tights. That's like where there's the um ah for my microfiber. Yeah, yeah, you want microfiber. Um for my more wintry ones, there's a line called foot traffic that does really good combed cotton ones mm. that are a little warmer. Those are what I usually wear in winter because they're a bit thicker. Cool. Thank I you. It's a stockings corner with Lynn. <laughs> I always like a good uh, cable knit tight too. Sock Dreams has a lot of really good cable knit tights. They do. They are mm-hmm. expensive though. They are, but they're nice. I have Sock Dreams tights that I've literally had for almost a decade at this point. Yeah, I definitely have Sock Dream socks that I've had for a decade or more, for sure. Their tights are equally quality. Nice. All right. Now it's time to play Who's That Guest Star? Because <laughs> Sock Dreams does not sponsor us. No. But hey, they Sock should. Dreams, you should absolutely sponsor us because we are, <laughs> we have all been long-term customers. I just gave you a really good ad. <laughs> all right. So first up, we have Nicole Munoz. Canadian actor Nicole Munoz has credits on a variety of titles, including A Million Little Things, Digstown, Van Helsing, Defiance, and Supernatural. And then we have Barclay Hope as Lily's dad. A veteran of film, stage, and TV, Barclay Hope is primarily known for his roles on Riverdale, Unreal, PSI Factor Chronicles of the Paranormal, The Killing, Eureka, about 15 Christmas TV films, and Supernatural. All right, now it's time to take a trip down Once Upon a Timeline. Okay. <laughs> So this episode shows us a young teen Emma meet Lily during a time when she has run away from a foster home. Out of the episodes we have covered so far, these scenes most closely follow those seen in season three, episode 21, Snow Drifts, where Emma watches another girl get adopted, a moment that's then referenced in this episode. And the flashbacks we have seen so far that most closely follow this one are those in season two, 
episode six, Tallahassee, where an older Team Emma meets Neil and falls in love. Time for some rants and raves, friends. Hey, mine's Nimona. I actually meant to talk about Nimona last time, but I completely forgot. It's so good. It's on Netflix. It's sci-fi fantasy hybrid future fairy tale with a predominantly queer cast. Mm. And the animation is breathtaking. So, uh, yeah, go watch Nimona. It's awesome. Nimona turns into a pink shark, and that's all I want to do in life. Nimona is so good, and I loved it so much. And I'm just, I'm so proud of Andy Stevenson. We've been following him since very early Tumblr days. The film was incredible, and I definitely recommend it. So I'm not going to recommend anything else. I'm just going to piggyback off my wife's recommendation. We met them a million years ago at a tiny rinky-dink convention, and we were dressed up from Gravity Falls. We did. And he drew me artwork of uh, Ichabod and the Lieutenant Abby from the Sleepy Hollow TV show playing ping pong, because that was my random suggestion. And it's beautiful. Um, I got Thor on a moped. You did get Thor on a moped. (laughs) Then they grew up and didn't hate She-Ra. Oh, I love Nate Stevenson. I really, 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 really desperately want them to adapt the Gem and the Holograms comics. That'd be very good. It would be fantastic. I mean, and you have the the comics already, which are Mm -hmm. super modern and super queer and everything. So you wouldn't even have to like reinvent the wheel, you know, like you kind of had to a little bit with She-Ra. Yeah, Nimona was originally a graphic novel by N.D. Stevenson that, like, fell into production hell when the whole um, Blue Sky Studios thing happened. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then Netflix picked it up and it finally got made and it's fantastic. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see that. Is it, is it a film or a TV show? It's a film. film. Okay. Yeah, I do, I do need to watch that. Huh? Maybe I'll watch that on my birthday then. Animation's very slick. I have seen, like, some of the art and it looks great. So yeah, by the time this episode's aired, my birthday will have happened. So yay for me. I hope it was a good one. I'm heading to Las Vegas tomorrow to babysit my niece while her dad is in a big karate tournament. So yay, good food and swimming times. Next week, I'm going to take advantage of all of my birthday freebies and discounts. Yay! (laughs) Yay, free cheesecake and free boba and other freebies. Yay. Let's see. Do I have anything to recommend? I mean, I'm really late to the Owl House game and I'm really enjoying it. So if you have not gone to Owl House, I highly recommend it. Otherwise, I actually, believe it or not, I enjoyed Bad Batch. It's not over, over. Season two has just recently wrapped, but I found it interesting. Do you have to see Clone Wars? No, it helps, certainly. Uh, I do recommend seeing Rebels, but Bad Batch technically comes before. So there you go. My friend's wife worked on Bad Batch. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. It is a good show. And Wanda Sykes is a recurring character on there. Well, not Wanda herself, but like she voices. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be odd. Yeah, that would be. Hey, it's Wanda Sykes. Ah, (laughs) Film and TV is Wanda Sykes. Very like Scooby-Doo, you know, like Wanda from TV. Yeah, Wanda from TV. It's like, yeah, and Scooby-Doo when they had all those like guest stars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, it's Don Knotts. (laughs) That's like, <laughs> is Don Knotts here. So the main little girl, Omega, in Bad Batch, she is voiced by Michelle Ang. Does that name sound familiar? Oh, is she from the tribe? She's Ty Sand from the tribe. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> See, all roads lead back to the tribe. All of them. Mm. 
<laughs> at least those with New Zealand actors somehow involved. <laughs> I'm watching every single Star Wars property in chronological order in which they unfold in the Star Wars universe. And I have been stuck in the same kind of like 10, well, I guess 20 year period for the last year, at least because of shows and such. So now I can actually move forward because my next my next thing is um, A New Hope. So very excited. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. The race is on to track down the elusive Snow Queen in order to discover what her ultimate endgame is for Elsa and the residents of Storybrook. Unaware that she does not possess the real Dark One dagger, Belle attempts to use it to get her reluctant husband to show her where the Snow Queen is hiding. Meanwhile, back in the past, Belle travels to Arendelle and with Anna's help, seeks out Grand Pobby to help her regain her lost memories in order to discover the fate of her mother. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. The moral of this episode is, when the person you are constantly betraying sells you out to the Snow Queen, don't pull a surprised Pikachu face. Visit us at Spotify for Podcasters to answer episodic questions, send us voice messages, or to find out other ways you can help support the podcast. You can find our page at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash once upon a rewatch. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon Rewatch. On Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch. On Tumblr at Once Upon a Rewatch The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. You laughed so hard at your own dumb joke, you choked. No, my wife's <laughs> disdain for me made me choke. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's getting funnier. <laughs> <laughs>